Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Miracles in Recovery. Sadly, I'm in the studio alone again. Uh, but Ellen is actually on the line, freezing her tail off on a mountain in North Carolina. <laughs> Hi, Ellen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Well, I mean, yeah, we don't have to go over the, the weather differences, but I'm sure I'm a lot warmer than than you are right now. Yeah, I just checked the temperature. It's 50 degrees. Oh, jeez. You were giving yourself 10 when you said 60. I know. Well, it doesn't feel yeah. that bad. I'm sitting. I, I'm actually sitting in a carport. So. Oh, see, yeah, yeah. Well, fifty's a little bit too much for me. So you know, yeah, I, I have, silly. I have uh, set on my phone for daily updates the uh, the Google updates, and you know, I, I put in keywords like sober, uh, addiction, uh, heroin. Alcohol, cocaine, CBD. So I'm looking. I was just looking through, sitting here, waiting for the show to start, and I, I, I see an article from uh, the Miami Herald. It says federal opioid funds target those recovering from addiction. You know, Dateline Boston. It says stipend to attend job training programs in. Subsidies for cell phones, subway cards, and work clothes. These are some of the things Massachusetts has invested in using federal money to combat the nationwide opioid epidemic. Unlike other states, Massachusetts used the lion's share of its initial emergency funding to support those recovering from addiction rather than those needing treatment. The state state designated... But but let me let me read a little bit more. The state designated almost seventy five percent of the nearly twelve million it received last year on recovery support services, the most of any state. Other states generally allocated less than ten percent uh, to those such efforts. Uh, the the. Where does it say here? Massachusetts opted to focus its efforts on recovery services because it already enjoys a strong network of addiction treatment programs. So I guess what they did was they took a look at probably where the dollar would get the most bang and put it into – because, you know, we say that – we always say that, you know, um, treatment – there has to be the availability of more treatment. I guess the state of Massachusetts says we have the ability to get them, you know, off a jump into treatment. But what do we do after? We keep pushing them on the street and they keep reverting back to using because there's nothing to sustain them going forward. So I guess it makes kind of sense if they have a good, if they think they have a good, solid, stable, um, treatment plan in place, why not help the addict once they step out of that environment? I think that's a really good idea, and I'm kind of wondering where the 90% that the other states got went, because it's getting worse, not better. Yeah, I don't you know. know I don't necessarily... I 
I only read the first couple. It may go into it in the article, but I, I don't know. I just, I just thought that that made sense. I went, wow, they're they're buying bus passes, and uh, I, I remember when I um, got clean, got sober, or whatever it is. I, when I stopped using, I went into a halfway house in Massachusetts, and um, I was a union roofer, and of course. Because of my addiction, I messed that all up. You know, I, I I didn't pay my dues. I didn't pay, you know, this, that, the other thing. And ultimately what happened, by the time that I got back on my feet, when I was, I really wasn't even back on my feet, when I got into the um, halfway house, which was a, a structured halfway house, there was 21, it was an old convent, actually. There was 21 guys in it. And uh, we had, you know, the, the 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 real meetings, and it was a uh, it was called Harmony House. It was in New Bedford, and um, I went to, you know, they sign you up for um, temporary assistance. And when I told the when I told the guy across the table that I was a union roofer, he said, "Oh well, um, what we need to get you back to work. What will it take to get you back to work?" So. I called the union hall and found out, you know, found out a, a monetary figure of what it would cost for me to make me an active member again. And I went back on my next appointment and I told him. And within two weeks, I I was everything was taken care of and everything was so. With that being done for me, it allowed me to be able to focus on something other than. You know, other damage. I was already, I was, I was immediately employed a within the month at the union uh, roofing company in my city, just because the state of Massachusetts paid my arrears so I could become an active member again in the union. Now, I think that was an awesome step because it one, it gave me, it gave me the ability to work. It, it gave me the ability to be a productive member of society again. I was able to buy. You know what I mean? I was able to be productive and yeah, and, um, and make a living wage, not a minimum wage job too. That makes a difference, oh, I think. Well, well, yeah, and and the thing is, is that if that wasn't there, if I was somewhere else, and they said, no, you know something, we're going to just use this money to keep recycling you through, mm-hmm. then we we're missing the boat. And I and I and I think you know now that. That I said that, and and it, and it personally happened to me. It didn't even click until I was speaking. That that it personally happened to me. That the state stepped up and and um, got me out of uh, debt for that anyway, and 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 you know made me a productive member of uh, the workforce again. Um, I think that money was well spent because I never looked back, you know, and if that, if that can, if that little action was what deterred me from running back on the street, then they were very successful at it. And it was worth their three or $400 that they paid to, for me to do that. Well, and doesn't it make you feel better to be productive? If you're not, that's when you're going to be looking around going, okay, you know, there's so-and-so over there. I know it can get high. Oh, actually, actually, the thing—the thing about that is—is is that I—that was one less thing that I could use for an excuse at that time because yeah. I wasn't—I didn't know if I wanted to stay clean or not. I, I thought they were—I probably at the time said, you know, these morons are going to pay for me to get back in the union, and who knows what'll happen. Um, but as soon as I got back to work, 
things started making sense. And slowly but surely, um, I progressed through the through the halfway house after six months, and you know, got my own place, and um, you know, did the necessary things I needed to do to put me in this seat to share today of 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 that experience, and uh, you know. You can't go wrong by helping somebody on the back end of what you're doing. And and I would venture to say that there are other states that do that as well. It just may, they may not take a bulk sum of that money and make it um, public that that's what they're doing with it. Well, and I think Massachusetts, too, the state itself funds a lot of the treatment programs. They so do. So maybe they have more to spend. But they, you know, but it's all good. You know, they they are showing that they they care and they're they are progressing. Yeah, and 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 I think I mean I don't know how it how it uh, breaks down now, but I think when I was struggling, Massachusetts per capita had a more of a more of a problem than like other states around it. I'm not going to say more than California or but per capita within the northern region Massachusetts was hit the was hit the hardest with with uh, with addiction and I I still think well I think Rhode Island's really they say that Rhode Island's pretty bad but the Rhode Island's like a a bottle cap size you know and and just yeah, imagine yeah. how but it's right outside of Boston too and i think when you're yeah. around a city particularly mm-hmm. one where you know boats can come in and mm-hmm. there are a lot of there are also a lot of flights coming in and out yeah it's and, easy and to get drugs in yeah major highways in and you know so it was it was definitely the city that i grew up in was definitely a uh, a target for success with with the uh, with the entrepreneurial um, pusher, you know, for lack yeah, of a better exactly. word, yeah. But uh, you know, I'm grateful that when I ultimately stood up and wasn't crying wolf anymore, or, or wasn't sure, um, they had things in place even back then. So it makes sense that they put a lot of the cash towards the back end of of uh, the 30-day recovery. Um, effort because what happens at that point you know what we've seen we've seen people down here just keep rinsing and rinsing and you know what do they call it spin washing you know you're in and out Mm -hmm. and in and out and in and out and ultimately sadly you go out one time and you don't make it back in um and if i think there was more of a uh known you know like massachusetts probably you know yells that from the rooftops whenever they're around talking about uh, the opioid uh, crisis because they're successful with it. And right. if somebody just followed their lead, things well, would probably get a little because better. Because we get so many, you know, if you look at the states where the warmer states where people come for rehab and where a lot of the rehabs have sprung up, you don't find any programs for, you know, after you're done with rehab, what are you going to do? And I right. think statistically, it's been proven that people who stay in programs that make them work are a lot more successful. I think, you know, being able to be productive and work is one of the keys to mm-hmm. being successful with staying clean or staying sober. Right. And I also think that um, it allows it, it allows um, confidence. It allow it allows all of that. Right. 
positive stuff that you probably have thrown in your back pocket for many years. It allows all of that to come back out. And it'll, it, it, it ultimately probably just through osmosis helps you get through some of the tougher times. Whereas if you didn't have that, you wouldn't gain that, um, positivity. Yeah, I think so too. I, I really believe that that being productive and working and achieving something, you know, I think that's one of the things that saved my daughter. You know, yeah, she no, exactly. She I mean, notice when she was able to, she was able to achieve it. So she, you know, she did something good instead of something bad. She was really good at doing the bad stuff, and right. then she got good at being good. Yeah, and and as soon as, like you said, as soon as she found something that made sense to her, she she put her focus on that, and and look where she's at today. I mean, you know, right. incredibly incredible one eighty. You know. Yeah, so it can be done. Yeah, but I I think a lot of states um, when they look at getting taxpayer dollars, there there is a big stigma on spending it on addicts because of the prejudice, you know, the moral judgment, all of that. So that may be part of the problem. I would still be really interested to, to know where, you know, if, if, they've, if they've looked at where the money is being spent. That would be very interesting. But because this is I haven't money. I have seen anything in Florida. Yeah, but this is money specifically for or to, to, to battle the, uh, you know, uh, the opioid crisis. So the opioid money- crisis, but... A lot of states, Florida included, declared a state of emergency so that they would get the money. And what are right, they doing what, with it? Oh, I I don't know, but the but you know I don't see how you know uh, Joe Shit the Ragman up in in uh, in Massachusetts can complain if they're spending money allotted for opioid the opioid crisis if they're complaining that they're spending their tax dollars on that that's money that was earmarked for that purpose and that purpose only how other states are doing it i don't know maybe we should look into that a little bit i mean i was just reading it I, this just came from an article this just popped off a uh you know in in my head and, and we just went from here with it but yeah you're right i'm sure that other states are putting an effort i don't think that they're just holding on to the money in, in, in a bank account and pushing out what they need here and there. I, I'm not sure. I don't I don't watch it that close. Um, but I do know that Massachusetts does lead in a lot of the different um, aspects of uh, self-help and, and the recovery effort. Yeah, I agree. I think they, you know, they, they have a very forward vision and it appears to be successful yeah well i mean much more so than than you see in a lot of other places well i don't necessarily know if you know like the succession the individual succession rate is is any greater than anywhere else but massachusetts as a whole has a you know a statewide um intolerance for opioid uh abuse so they in turn, you know, like uh, the um, police officer, the uh, uh, what was it, the Gloucester uh, Police Department. There was a thing a couple of years ago about them um, getting people into treatment instead of arresting them. You know, so yeah, I think the, the mayor there were, was heading that up until he got into some kind of trouble. No, it was the chief of police. 
chief of police, yeah, but he was going into, you know, some of the houses where that's yeah. all they were doing. And, and yeah. you know, mm-hmm. taking people out and getting them help. I mean, he, he was a hero, in my opinion. I don't know, I don't know exactly what happened. But, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I, you know, and it might have been it might have been funding. It might have been, you know what I mean? They might have crossed the line with, you know, people's I mean, you know, the, the you know, people's rights and stuff like that. I mean, in the environment we live in today, who knows what could corrupt something that uh, is good for you. Right. Well, I'd imagine, too, a lot of the states are using it for naloxone for first responders because I think all of them everywhere have it now. I mean, which, even, which even they in should. this little tiny mountain town where I am, they have a huge problem now. Right. We should you know, be able to everywhere. we should be able to go into CVS or Walgreens or somewhere and get one of those because it's not going to do you any damage if you stick yourself with it. I mean, you're a moron right. if you do. But... Um, there's been times, and I mean, granted, I was a I was a firefighter, so I seen a little bit more than um, the next guy. But there are times when just walking down the street, we got called to a scene where somebody had overdose. Just walking down the street, if there was somebody, a cab driver, that had you know Narcan with them, they could administer it, and that person would be alive. I mean, right. yeah, yeah, you know, then you have to look at the legal aspects. They run away and this and that and you t- all of that crap. But, you know, the, the most important thing is that the individual is alive. We need to go to break. So if you want to call in and talk about this or anything else, dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Ready to transform your health and your world? Join host Melissa Alexander for Insight Living with Vitality. Melissa and her guests go behind the scenes on what it takes for practitioners and clients to transform themselves and others. She provides insight to medical procedural breakthroughs, available product resources, and explains lifestyle choices designed to improve and expand your vitality. It's time to get rid of that baggage, remove those blockages, and prevent buildup from hindering your progress in life. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, and we're back. You know, that was a, that was a very quick uh, first segment. Once we once we get on something and start talking about it, boom! It's like I, I get the I get the cue. Two minutes left. I'm like, well, okay. How do we wrap this up? Now there was something else we were just talking about in break, and I saw there another article on my. Uh, it's uh, let me see, mygoodplanet.com is the name of the uh, thing, and it's we connect using tech to help battle addiction. Now, I guess, you know, one of the founders was Murphy Jensen, uh, Luke Jensen's brother, the uh, tennis player. They were both tennis players. And I guess Murphy, ultimately, I'm paraphrasing here because I read a little bit of the, you know, his he his life turned to addiction. And, and ultimately, now he is clean and sober. And um, it says here, We Connect helps prevent relapse the moment recovering individuals leave inpatient care or enter sober living in outpatient programs. The WeConnect platform automatically manages and verifies completion of recovery activities, keeps users connected in real time to support groups, and provides rewards at key milestones in recovery. Rewards include fitness classes and coffee shop credits both uh, (laughs) you can get your starbucks (laughs) both of which enhance connection to oneself their support community and recovery now i i know that there was there's there's been apps out there and this that the other thing so i i don't know much about this but my thing with that is is you know that's all well and good you have the technology at your fingertips if you shut your phone off, it's all gone. Right. Or if you lose your phone or if your phone gets shut off because you didn't pay the bill. Yeah. Then, I mean, it, I guess technology is only as good as the individual that is using it or, or has the willingness to use it. I'd like to look at that, though, and see how it's set up, like to see if, you know, there's, you know, reminders of, of uh, you know, certain little things that – you know, like to read, to read, say, just for today or a big book or whatever, you know, A, you are uh, associated with, if there are any little things you can set up to push you in that direction for meetings, for, you know, counseling, for like, you you know, it said group therapy and stuff like that. Or is it just an app where you can push a button and you get into a, you you get into like a group text or you get into like a group uh, FaceTime type thing. I mean, that may work as well, but it still keeps you disconnected. It's still, you can still right. sit in your room, in your dark room and play with your phone. And what are you really getting out of that? You're not getting a life experience, but like I said, I haven't looked into it, so I really can't bash it. So, but you know, I think efforts like this um, are great because there are people who are tech heads out there that just 
that's the way that that's the only way that they can operate. They can't get into a conversational. You know, well, I don't want to say they can't, but they, but you know, they're more comfortable tech-wise than they are just you know conversationally bus stop talking, and uh, you know, I can't do the tech thing. I have to ask the kids how to do that stuff. So. <laughs> Always ask a six-year-old. Yeah. As someone said to me when I couldn't get my printer to work, I'll go find a six-year-old. They can do it for you. But right. I, I agree. I think there's there's really nothing quite like human contact, and I think that's part of. And, you know, I'm, I'm speaking just as an outsider, but it seems to me like that, that isolation is part of the problem. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. isolated by your shame. You're isolated by your need, you know, which is mm-hmm. trumps everything, including friendships, family, all of that. Right. I mean, I felt, I, you know, I could go to the mall right now, and depending on what mood I'm in, I could feel isolated i could feel you know what i mean and and it's not that has not so i could go to a meeting and and there could be 150 people there and i'm still the only one in the room you know so would that work i'm sure it would because you know the reminders and all of that and you know uh the rewards for doing things you're supposed to be doing when when you know when you play a the, the, the sad thing is is when you play a game on your uh phone the reward is going to the next level. When you play it, when you play a recovery game like that on your phone, what's the reward? You get you get coffee. Um, well, that might be important to some people. <clears throat> yeah, it might be. You know, and and here I am. Like I said, we haven't we haven't looked at it enough. There, I'm sure that there is more to it than what I read. Um, but it just it just kind of doesn't really connect all the dots for me. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, if there are things like the, you know, if it puts out the daily reading of the day, it's right there in front of you. So I would probably be, you know, me, I would be more likely to read it if it was on my phone rather than I have to go dig a book out from somewhere. Yeah, I had that set up. I had that set up. uh, I actually did it for M as well. I had that set up on my email for many years and, and, and it just went away. So I don't know if they stopped that service or what, but you would get the daily reading on your phone. It would, it would bang in at like seven o'clock in the morning. It would be, there'd be an email almost like, almost like David's daily boost, but it was at seven in the morning. Yeah. Well, David's what, 4.30 430 in the morning. 4.03. Yeah. It's always there, though. Yeah, when you get up, it's there for you to listen to. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure that the technology works and I'm sure that it's grabbing a lot more interested people. Um, but I'm just I just wonder if it if that's just a new excuse not to interact with people personally interact with people it could be depending on the person i think yeah i mean i I know a lot of people that tried online meetings and just didn't find them helpful you know it was much easier to isolate that way you know i did a few of those in the in a um um in a group and it was kind of it was kind of weird there were like 27 people and everybody was muted 
and you had to click on your picture if you wanted to say something, and you it would raise your hand to the moderator, and then you could say, you know, my name is Ray, and dun 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 whatever, and you could share for a couple of minutes, and it would give you a timer, and you had like two or three minutes to share, and then and then it wouldn't shut you down, but it would tell you your time is up, so that you know so that others could get in, and um, I don't. I, I, I don't I couldn't say anything bad about it, but like you said, right. the personal interact the personal interaction is is gone at that right. point. And and the meeting after the meeting is gone, and that's important too. Yeah, and there and, were no. You know, I have actually been in meetings where they have a timer. You know, and it, once it yeah. changes, you you know your time is up. Right, and if so, and if you know. If I, if you I wanted to, to uh, things like that, whether you're there in person or not, but again, I think you know the human interaction is important. Yeah, because if you wanted to share with someone after, if someone was struggling and and they had a a two or three minute window to share, and and then all of a sudden their screen goes like blank after they share, you go like, oh, okay, well uh, now okay. what do I do? How do I? At least in a meeting, if someone's struggling, you hear it in their voice. You can you can talk to them after the meeting or, you know, whatever. Where I'm not saying it they don't have their use. But for me, I think today it might have you know something. If if I got clean today, and and, and thank God I'm not getting clean today, I, I think I might have a different outlook on that. Who knows? Right. Because well, I mean, not at fifty nine years old, but um, <laughs> if I was oh, that's younger, right. happy birthday! Uh, thank you. I forgot all about it. Um, as soon as the day was gone, I forgot about it. It's a good thing to forget after a certain. Yeah, point. it's funny. We went we went out to eat right, and my my granddaughter Amaya, like uh, I don't know, twenty minutes into sitting down, she's sitting next to me, and she looks up. She goes, "Well, she's looking down." She goes, "Papa," I said, "Yeah, honey." She looks up with a big smile on her face and says, "Happy birthday!" Oh, I was like, "Oh man, you're gonna make me cry on my birthday." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was she's scared the heck out of her. Yeah, she's incredible. That one. Yeah, she really then, is. Kids but then again, two. But then again, two minutes later, she was saying, "Papa, you're silly." So, <laughs> <laughs> so. But yeah, no, it was a, it was a good day. It was a good day all around. Now you got a big one coming up next year. We we can't forget it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can, but I mean, you know, the funny thing <laughs> yeah, is, is that yeah, the funny thing is, is that um, embracing age was never something that I struggled with. You know, because um, for for some str- when I looked at, when I looked at when I was a kid, and I looked at forty five year old men or ladies or whatever, they were so old. Oh, you yeah. know, because they were so old. And then when I got to like thirty, those forty fives were like almost relatable, kind of. And um, now that now that I'm almost sixty. Um, I, I look back down, and I think today's environment allows us a little le- more um, levity with with the difference of respect your elders. And I mean, granted, it can go uh, go the other way, but I think there is less of a uh, generation or quote unquote um, 
age differential from younger kids to uh, adults today? Oh, I think so, too. And, and because we're all working together, generally, you know, the people yeah. that I work with are mostly younger than me. One or two maybe older, but most of the rest of them are much younger. But I don't right. feel old. No, and, and, well, I mean, some days I do. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I can relate to what they're going through, and they can yeah. relate to what I'm going through. Right, and the only thing is, is that the, the only thing that um, my age gives me is is just, a, you know, Th- that amount of experience, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the, if you can sh- if you can share that with someone, and, and I remember saying, you know, that, that one, it'll never happen to me, and two, shut the hell up because you don't know what I'm going through. When ultimately they were walking through the same exact thing as I was, um, right? You know, I, I had to learn from my own mistakes, and if I can share how I did that to someone, you know, they may have to walk through I think everybody has to walk and learn their own way but um you know at least in in recovery I I think that you know when I went into a room you know if I went to a meeting like say with my dad when he was told he had to go for work and there were all those old men in the room I couldn't relate to them at all whereas a kid can walk into a meeting now and share the same knowledge that somebody 65 years old has they have a little bit more sober or clean time than the kid that's sharing the knowledge but you know it it's it's more relatable it's more acceptable it's more it's more welcoming well and i think too some of the kids that walk in for the first time are going to look to the older guys because they know they've been there and they have succeeded in conquering this so they're going to try to find an older guy who's who's been around and who understands. Yeah. You know, not think that he's stupid because he's old. I think there's a huge there there's been a, a lot of movement. You know, and mm-hmm. maybe maybe we don't look quite as old as people used to look. I don't know. I'm hoping. <laughs> well, I think yes, yeah, style and all yeah. of that. I mean, when we were when we were younger, style was completely different from the generations. You could almost see where the, you know, where, where people fit within the, with the, within the style that they were wearing. Right. So now, I mean, everybody from age 15 to 85 wear the same shorts I wear. Exactly. You know, there's no, yeah, there's no differential or differential of of uh, style. So I think that makes a little difference as well. And and we don't have the uh, demand like we when I was a kid. Everything was Mister, Mrs., Yes, Ma'am, No, Sir. Um, that's all gone. I think because we were mandated to do that as children, we don't require that for the kids behind us because we thought that was kind of. Silly, maybe? I don't know. Well, it, it, it's aging, too. I, I know my boss is in her 40s, and someone called her ma'am, and she got all upset and said, please don't call me that. It makes me feel yeah. awful. And I, just I, jokingly say it, I jokingly say it to people, and they're like, what's with the sir thing, anyway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you were in the military. I guess you, you have to. Yeah, but I, I'm doing it to be a wise-ass. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, nobody better ma'am me. No. I'm not that old. No, but I mean, you know, if 
if that was, you know, out of respect to something like that, you can get it. But if, you know, if somebody's being a punk, then, but, you know, I guess that's, I guess that's, that goes all with what it is that we're talking about uh, in the recovery environment or in a recovery world. We, on a daily basis, are trying to save or trying to educate the people either older or mostly younger than we are because through our actions is how they're learning. And, and, you know, when I was, like I said, we'll bring up, uh, you know, officer Steve again, and he brought in the painted green board with the little wired baggies on it with little labels. And it said, you know, marijuana, cocaine, hashish, this, that, the other thing, do not do these because they are bad for you and they are illegal. Half the classroom wanted to try it because they were bad for us and they were illegal. (laughs) Now, right now I can go in front of a group of students or anyone and share my experience, strength, and hope that you do not need to do that in order to get to where you're going. You do not need to do that to impress the people that are around you. I mean, the, you know, it's, we have, we have a little bit more seat in the game. We have a little bit more uh, structure about what it is that we're saying outside of just Officer Stevie coming in and saying, just don't do it. Uh, Nancy Reagan, just say no. Yeah, Why? That that's, that would have been my first question. Why? Why do I just say no? Why can't I try it? Right, right, and that's why a lot of us, you know, and, and pr- that that probably pushed. I mean, I don't necessarily remember me going, "Oh, I'm going to try it because he said don't." But being a rebellious little kid, don't tell me what to do. You know, I don't even allow my mother to tell me what to do. So I thought when I was a kid, I, I mean, I did exactly what she told me to do. But I used to say in my mind while I was doing it, don't tell me what to do. You know, <laughs> hey, you don't know anything anyway, so don't tell me what to do. Yeah, right. Exactly. So we right. are, we're up on a break again, which came again pretty quick so finish your finish your uh thought and then we'll go to break well i I was just going to say again we've kind of leveled the playing field as far as age goes you know we we are creating opioid addicts and at all ages just because of the way the medical community's handled it in the last 20 or 30 years and you know anybody anybody can share their experience strength and hope and and a lot of people do and i'm glad yeah, because I know that I've heard I've heard things that younger people than I have said that have helped motivate me to change my thought process. Right. So uh, yeah, definitely. It doesn't matter where you get it from or who you get it from or how old they are. Open your ears. Dial eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. We'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Have you figured out what to attract in your life in order to make it successful? There are those who can and those who can learn. Your intensified energy gives you willpower to move the bar forward and be happy. Happy people spread their energy throughout their lives, and once they figure it out, go on to be successful at nearly everything they set their mind to. Join host Ellen Morano and her panel of guest experts and co-hosts on Generate Massive Energy for a Fulfilling Life, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health and Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We got the power to change the world. Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back again. You know, we have some... uh strange conversations during the breaks we were talking about daylight savings time this this break and you know it's it's funny where where our minds go during the, during the show. I mean, we started off talking about Massachusetts and, and the funding that they do for after treatment and we morphed into this thing and during the break we're talking about um, daylight savings time um, and maybe that maybe you know, you know, I, I don't know if that is any way, shape, or form, um, because because I was so oblivious that you know you were saying that Florida can't, and I was saying that Arizona, where we're being uh, projected from, um, doesn't change their time. 
I don't necessarily know if while I was out there using, because I had no clue of what time was time, if it ever affected me in any way. So, I mean, I could see the the, the working world around me. Um, it could affect, like you said, you can't schedule the meeting if, you know, people are on their way home and this and that and the other thing. But um, I don't necessarily know if it would be a bad thing if we stayed in one time zone. I mean, I granted you, you know, you have to have the time zones as you, as you progress West, but I don't necessarily know what changing the time. They used to say that it was so the kids were safe walking to school in the, in the morning. Right. But it's still dark when they're getting on the bus now because they're, they're busing these kids out at six o'clock in the morning to get to to ride a bus for two hours. And what's the point? And then, and then you have states like Alaska where you only have four or five hours of daylight. Yeah, there's, isn't there uh, in the winter? Yeah, right. I mean, so and then the, isn't there uh, like a couple of days where it's light for twenty four hours or dark for twenty four hours or something like that? Yeah, I think so. In the summer, it, it stays light until eleven, twelve o'clock at night. Sometimes later. Yeah, that's crazy. So right? I'm sure in the winter, and then you know people get depressed because it's dark. I would. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and that does make a difference. I I'm sure that there have been studies done on the progression of addiction during the winter versus during the summer. Summer you're out there and you're happy and you're having fun and you know you're running around in your shorts and a t-shirt and then all of a sudden here comes winter and it's dark at 4:30 and you're in knee deep snow. Yeah, and it's cold and miserable, so why not get high yeah. and not know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the sad thing is is that I was out in the knee-deep snow. But, um, you know, I, I get I get that, uh, you know, it's, it, it's an, another inconvenience that we have to deal with, um, changing time. And, but you'd figure that they would look at it now. I mean, see, we were talking about kids and how we get along with kids more so now than maybe our parents or grandparents' generation did. We embrace kids a little more than they did. I'm wondering if we shouldn't embrace a lot of other things that we still traditionally hold on to that may have been broken from the beginning. Oh, I think so. I mean, you know, you were talking about how younger people have opened your eyes and changed your thinking, you know, even after you've been in recovery for a while. And I I was just thinking about, you know, like the medication-assisted therapy, you know, like Suboxone and um, Mm -hmm. methadone and things like that. You know, there used to be a real hard line against it. And and that's really fading because it is helping people. Oh, well, what do you mean a, a hard line against it? When I was when I was um, struggling, um, methadone maintenance was was available in the city that I was in. I mean, methadone was was already readily acceptable. It was not accepted in the quote unquote recovery community as you being clean, right? And and there yeah. it was, and still is to us. An extent, but I think it's getting better. You know, there there was a stigma against it. You're not clean, so you, you know you don't have a right to come in here and talk. Yeah. And, well, you know, you know something that. Yeah, I do. Way, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm a productive member of society. 
the way I look at it is, is to, the, to thine own self be true. If you have a question, talk to your sponsor about it. You don't need to share that in a meeting environment. Um, you know, because for me now, uh, because if I am looking at someone who I think is doing something that I think they should be doing, uh, one, I'm not looking at me, and two, who assigned me as the recovery cop, you right. know, I, I think that, I think that, you know, to thine own self be true. You have to, you have to be true to yourself and with, and with doing so, can you evaluate yourself in a proper way? If you don't know you're doing something wrong or if somebody's telling you you're doing something wrong and it may not really be wrong, how can you give yourself good self-evaluation when you're listening to a turd that is telling you something that they believe versus what may be your personal reality? Right, and what's working for you. Yeah. You know, what works for one may not work for all, but let's give everybody a chance if they're trying and, and you know, for all intents and purposes, succeeding. Yeah. But maybe, and, you know, maybe need that to do it. Yeah, and I've had... You know, it's better I've than had, being dead, it's better than being in jail, it's better than being unemployed. Yeah, I, I've had uh, conversations with people who have upwards of 15, 20 years clean, and they're still adamantly against someone who is uh, getting a little assistance, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh you know, uh, Suboxone or something like that from from doing all of the things that we can freely do in recovery. We can share who we are. We can celebrate what it is that we do. Um, if someone is high as a kite and is celebrating one year clean, then yeah, I have a problem with that. We shouldn't have put that guy up there or that girl up there to do it. But if somebody like like doc like uh, the doctor that we had on, he said if, you know, the uh, a mother has to take a little pill to be able to feed her children and be a productive member of society, why can't she share that? Why can't she um, you know, and, and I get, you look at the words in a book and every word, every book is up to interpretation. Those words aren't black and white. Those pages aren't black and white. They're, they're gray and white. You know what I mean? Your interpretation of something is different than mine. And I'm okay with, um, some aspects of that because it's to thine own self be true if you think you're cheating the game or if you think you're when you're talking you're saying i shouldn't be saying this because i take suboxone then why are you talking if you're well, comfortable how many of those people who are judging are taking you know the the dep- you know antidepressants and other psych drugs right right you know, and, and really weed. what's the difference if you need those to get by sure but um I don't understand the difference, really. Mm, to thine own self be true. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But we've chased, we have chased more people away than sit commonly in meeting environments because of that. Exactly. And, you know, they may be people that would have benefited from being able to go to meetings and share. Yeah, and now, and now people are visiting a piece of slate that's in the ground because we chased them away. Exactly. You know, 
Um, so I, I think we I think we really need to wise up in what it is that we we personally bring into the meeting environment. If someone is you know like somebody uses the word sober and you're in a narcotics anonymous and you jump all over somebody who has four or five days clean and they don't know the difference. What are you telling that person? You are not welcome. Exactly. And and, and I got that. That's the exact opposite of the message that you want to be putting out there. Right. I mean, I personally lived that when I went to a, when I went to an AA meeting and uh, that I was an addict, and you know, this was thirty years ago, thirty two, maybe thirty three years ago, and they looked at me and said, "You don't belong here." And I got up and I left. And and what if I died? Right. You know, um, but I, I, so I get it. So I try not to, because I remember how I felt. I try not to do that with others. If somebody says sober, whatever, clean, whatever, you're, you are welcome. You, you deserve your seat. You'll learn along the way. Like I did. I had no clue when I came in here. Who am I to tell this guy that he needs to have my knowledge base with five days clean? Well, it takes time to learn the lingo too. There, you know, there is a there's a certain uh, language that goes along with being in recovery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I guess it's all relative to one how they were taught. Geez, we got two minutes left. One how they were taught, <laughs> and two how they interpret how they want to share with others or teach others. You know, and I'm just grateful today that I can get out of my own way and not allow all of that madness to muddy my thought process definitely and uh, you know hopefully it's going to continue to loosen up a little bit and change and allow people to come and get the help that they need yeah i intentionally when I, I yeah i intentionally try to when it when a new person shares and they say i'm sober and somebody jumps on them i intentionally right behind them raise my hand and say the same thing how are they going to yeah. correct me? You know, exactly. and that's and that and that just that just goes to show you that you know, um, there needs to be people that protect the people that come in the door. You know, and and that's kind of what we try to do here on this show. We just try to give a little bit of our own personal knowledge, and uh, what you do with it is is what you do with it. If if someday you're sitting in a meeting and somebody snaps at somebody for referring themselves the wrong way, you'll remember what to do because you heard it here. And with that, Ellen, we need to say, With miracles in recovery, hope is in your corner. That it is. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.